Hey, what's up, everyone? We got a special mini episode for you all today. I was able to uh, have a conversation with my friend and colleague and uh, all-around wonderful human being, Ki Lam from Asian Prisoner Support Committee. They have an event coming up this Saturday, um, the Freedom Ride, starting in West Oakland. So he talked about that, talked about uh, APSC and what they do, uh, some important issues that are happening in the community around immigration and deportation and folks that are um, should be coming back into the community but uh, are not so uh, we also talked a little bit about his fatherhood experience and so I'm excited for you all to hear it thanks Yeah, hey, my name is Key Lam. I'm the reentry coordinator for Asian Prison Support Committee, based here in Oakland, California. Cool. Well, what's APS? What's Asian Prison Support Committee? So, Asian Prison Support Committee is an organization that one of the organization uh, in the nation that focus on uh, Asian Pacific Islander that are incarcerated and working with that population mm-hmm. and also providing services. Yeah. And so we actually have a program inside San Quentin State Prison called the Roots Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, restore is the acronym is Restoring Our Original True Self. It's been going on for five years now. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing program, and what I hear of here and see mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, and, and we deal with a lot of uh, historical dra- trauma pieces, mm-hmm. and also learning about each other's culture. Because uh, I realized as one of the co-founding members of the program, yeah. like we, I there is a lot of stuff. Of history we didn't know about each other yeah. uh, and also we found a lot of similarity around among our cultures as well yeah. and the struggle of the migration to school to prison to deportation pipeline a lot of us are stuck in that pipeline yeah. uh, the other great thing about that is about Roots program is that we also talk about gender identity mm-hmm. so some folks it's the first time they learn about different gender identities right. and and it also offer the opportunity for folks who really feel comfortable enough to share any struggles they may have yeah. or have ask any kind of questions. Yeah. Those are probably deeper conversations than most people have, even on the outside. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. We talk a lot about, we also do a lot of laugh and sharing. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a place where folks can actually, you know, share and reconnect with their true self. Yeah. Uh, would you mind sharing how you got involved with APSC? Uh, I remember it was... There was a San Quentin Trust Health Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I think it was like 2008. And uh, that's why I met Ben Wang. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, him and Kasi and a few other folks came in yeah. and they talked about APSC. I'm like, wow, I never knew that there was a group like this. And it was started by Eddie Zhang, yeah. who tried to start an uh, ethnic study program mm-hmm. and ended up put, you know, placed in solitary confinement for that. Yeah. Uh, many years later so they started coming in APSC started uh, meeting in Solano State Prison where Eddie was at mm-hmm. and then eventually coming to San Quentin yeah. and uh, they wanted to start the Roots program it, at that time it wasn't called Roots it was just something to focus on uh, API history and culture yeah. and, and uh, I think it was three years later and then we started the Roots program yeah you um, started with them or were you a participant or I was a uh, I was a participant. Yeah. So actually, 
as what APSE is that what you mean? Well, with Roots. With well, Roots, I was actually one of the founding members of okay. Roots. Yeah, so helped start the program. Yeah. Uh, three year planning <laughs> sessions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, there's lots of. I mean, I can't imagine the systems involved inside. Yeah, trying to find I, space and. Yeah. And so it took a, it took us a while to find space, but also the the freedom to separate from another group because yeah. we had to, we start we started our meetings under the San Quentin Trust mm-hmm. because, as a multicultural group. Okay. And then from there, we was able, we got permission to separate and yeah. start, you know, roots. Okay. Yeah, you do a lot of API, API and, H, mm-hmm. and HPI related <laughs> work inside, but you also do a lot of multicultural mm-hmm. work. I mean, just from whether it's programming or just mm-hmm. um, the community building and that's that kind of stuff like just from individually your own work but then also with APSC right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so APSC actually re- helped me reconnect with my own roots mm-hmm. uh, and I chose to work for APSC versus you know a, a very nice union job yeah. because I saw the value that APSC was doing in the community yeah. and then also I, I saw that there was a need like no one else was doing this yeah. you know, and people had this misconception that you know APIs don't have issues mm-hmm. with the criminal justice system or with deportation because right. everybody think of uh, the criminal justice system as mostly black and Latinos uh-huh. and when they think about deportation they think about Latinos mm-hmm. but they don't think about the API you know, experience yeah. and so one of the privilege of working for APSE is I get to bring awareness to that those issues yeah yeah and you do a lot uh, so yeah uh, he unfortunately, uh, fortunately, can well. He's my colleague, mm-hmm. former colleague, current colleague, <laughs> friend, um, and from my own just uh, witnessing of the pace of the amount of work that you do, yeah. not just for APSC, but just for yourself and your family, but also just for the whole community. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, get tired um, keeping up with you. <laughs> <laughs> So a few weeks ago when you said you're going to take some time off and do a vacation or do something, I'm like, ah. I never um, really got to that vacation. <laughs> oh, you never got to the vacation? But, so we I said I was going to take a vacation, yeah. but I never got to take a vacation. Okay, so we need, we need to get that on your calendar. <laughs> I'm planning on taking a vacation in June. Okay, cool. First in three years. Nice. So Yeah, you deserve it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so with APSC, specifically, there's a lot we could talk about, but for mm-hmm. upcoming this Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. Yes. There's, can you talk about the Freedom Ride? So the, the Saturday, you know, uh, APSE, we normally, every year, we run with the Oakland Running Festival mm-hmm. to raise funds for our organization to continue our work of reentry mm-hmm. and uh, anti-deportation work. So this uh, this spring, uh, we're switching things up, and we're, some of us are planning to ride a minimum, uh, I mean, a minimum of 32 miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, along the Bay Area, West Oakland to Emmyville to Berkeley to Richmond and then back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we did a few trial runs and it, it was pretty daunting. Now, you know, we didn't do the full yeah, yeah. ride. We just did like a, like a three quarters of the ride and people yeah. was like exhausted. Well, the Saturday I saw you posted and that was a brutal day because... 20 miles, we was, did 20 miles. The wind was off the... Oh my God. The, so like, I already have allergies and so yeah. that made it worse because... It was not, it wasn't just windy, but it was dusty windy. Yeah. And when we was riding back, even it was flat. The we was riding against the wind. Yeah. Like the wind was like literally pushing us backwards. 
as we were driving. So like we really got like an intense workout that day. I mean, I was just kicking it out of the park Mm -hmm. with some high school friends and family. Um, And I was tired just (laughs) seeing the wind. I mean, that doesn't talk Mm -hmm. much about my own Mm -hmm. kind of like uh, health right now. (laughs) But just when I saw that picture, I'm like, oh, man, that's a rough training day. Yeah, it was rough. So hopefully Saturday is a lot more calm and... That's what we're hoping. Um, why is it called a freedom ride? So uh, our tradition, in our APSC tradition, is to welcome our folks home from mm-hmm. prison and to create precious moments together and also build like solidarity among our communities. Mm-hmm. Be, uh, one of the things that are, we call a freedom ride because it's not just freeing those who are incarcerated physically, but also yeah. those who are incarcerated emotionally, historically. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of our community members are in prison, like to the traumas that they had in their life. And so free ride is to create to create healing spaces yeah. for all of us to actually talk about different struggles that we have. Uh, I know it's you know a lot of it is about shame factors that comes up. Nobody want to talk about it because uh, they don't want to lose face. And so the freedom ride is actually a, a time for folks to connect on, on a level where they can actually, and they incorporate family. Mm-hmm. So bring family together. And, yeah. and so that's one of the things we, we're modeling. It's like, you know, bringing in families. So, and it's stopping the stigma of like, oh, bad immigrant versus good immigrant, bad prisoner versus good prisoners. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, like, how do we stop those those negative narrative? Yeah. It's. I do you guys do? Um, do you all? Sorry, do you all do? Is it a full ride and then you stop, or do you stop along the way and have conversations and kind so, of just chill? It's just, everyone has their own pace. Yeah. Uh, there's like three legs of the race. There's the 15, the 24, and then the 32. Yeah. Uh, and so along the way, most likely people will stop. And so in the beginning, we, we're going to gather everyone in, and have a You know, everyone comes before 9 o'clock, and then we have a conversation. People are just reconnecting with each other that hadn't yeah. seen each other for a long time because, you know, due to work and bills and kids and mm-hmm. all kinds of other stuff. And so it's an opportunity for folks to come together and reconnect. And along the way, you know, people normally we chat along right. next to each other and have conversations. Yeah. And uh, unless you run out of breath, <laughs> <laughs> and then you really take a long break, yeah. and then yeah. so it's like it's an opportunity for folks to reconnect and just to talk about stuff that they're working on, yeah. and some of it just talking about like family, yeah. like what their kids like sharing with kid, like their precious moment with their kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that for the the healing work that. You, that I've witnessed you all do mm-hmm. um, the, uh, a lot of it's around family and mm-hmm. it's not just about your own specific family members but mm-hmm. the family environment that you you create mm-hmm. uh, as the individual that's part of this organization mm-hmm. um, whether it's for people that are coming back home or mm-hmm. just people in the community that um, have no clue about mm-hmm what you all have gone through or what you're mm-hmm. going through or what the people that are coming back home are mm-hmm. going through. So I definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's also for family that has loved one that are incarcerated. Yeah. You know, because, you know, when a person, when a person gets incarcerated, you know, people think, oh yeah, that person is incarcerated, but in reality, the whole family is incarcerated. Yeah. Because like, either they visit them, they write letters to them, like, or else they like, take phone calls, like, they 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 are incarcerated at the same same time, yeah, yeah. and so part of it is actually supporting families who have incarcerated loved ones as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's a fundraiser, right? Yes. Um, how much are you all trying to? So our our goal is twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. We're almost we're about 
eighty some percent. We're at nice. eighteen thousand right okay. now, and so like we're super excited, you know, <laughs> that to hit twenty and hopefully over twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's gonna support. Uh, it's gonna support all different kind of programs. It's gonna support the roots programs. It's gonna support folks coming home. It's gonna support our anti deportation work. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of our anti deportation work is actually going to court hearings yeah. and also supporting families along the way. Like also. One of the longest trips that we had was going all the way to Atlanta to a court hearing, a bond hearing for yeah, yeah. A, a woman that's facing deportation back to to the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. As well as, you know, uh, like we had to go pick up uh, somebody from the Oregon border, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they was released from immigration from way up there. Right, uh, right. And so it's, it's a lot of work to do. And then like part of it is like having campaigns. Mm-hmm. Raising campaign awareness about what's going on yeah. around communities. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the deportation stuff? Because a lot of people don't know that it's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, there's there's stigma around it. There's racial stigma around it. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, with uh, the API community, mm-hmm. um, there's specific reasons why there's certain API folks being targeted by being targeted for deportation, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So, like, anyone that has, uh, that's been convicted of any crime mm-hmm. is automatic, you know, and that's not a citizen. Immigration custody, is, the immigration status is, you know, is jeopardized. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if they committed an aggravated felony. Correct. Something with serious, serious crime yeah. uh, that, could act, that could strip them of the legal permanent resident status. Right. Uh, so, it doesn't matter what age you are. Yeah. And, like, especially somebody that's young. Like that, never even had a chance to get their status. Automatically lose it. Now you have a chance to right. gain a status. Right. Are facing deportation like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I committed my crime when I was 17 years old, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing anything about the criminal justice system or yeah. deportation, yeah. and getting tried as an adult at 17 years old, first time I ever committing a crime. Mm-hmm. It, that like really sh- was a. Sh- uh, traumatic experience like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not going through the whole system yeah. um, it wasn't until I got to prison where I realized that they say oh yeah you have a immigration hall I'm like what are you talking about like mm-hmm. I'm a citizen they said no you're not because you had a legal permanent resident status a refugee status yeah. because we fled Vietnam because of, uh, the communist party yeah. was you know taking over uh, and then they say, they say you ha- you're here for unlawful entry I realized later on that because I committed aggravated felony, I lost my legal, legal permanent resident status, yeah, yeah. as well as many other uh, young, uh, especially Southeast Asians, mm-hmm. that were incarcerated, also had lost their status. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things that we focus on is how do we help people deal with, you know, facing deportation. Yeah. Once they're because once somebody is finished with their prison sentence, they're not released straight to the public. They are actually handed right over to immigration custody. And so going and then having to go through that process of facing deportation. Because inside, when you get locked up, there's you know everyone who's a, has immigrate immigration status that's not citizen or mm-hmm. um, well legal permanent resident and the different statuses. You can lose that status if you don't follow up with your immigration mm-hmm. um, court, whatever. Right? Like some yeah. people have certain years, and so if you're locked up and your family doesn't um, know. Mm-hmm. That whole system, mm-hmm. then you lose your your legal status mm-hmm. when you're inside. And actually, the the 
public defender is actually or the attorney is supposed to know that because of your crime that it can't activate mm-hmm. immigration custody. But they don't. But they someone are, are uneducated about it. Yeah. And someone just, I think for me, I think that's the reason why they don't like my attorney didn't tell me that. Right. Like oh yeah you're not you're not a citizen like yeah this could jeopardize your citizenship yeah. like I was never brought aware of that yeah and so that could actually be a case for some folks to actually go back to court yeah okay mm-hmm. um and so so some folks that like like in your situation got locked up long term lost the legal status once you got um, the long road of mm-hmm. getting released mm-hmm. um, then you don't get freedom quote, no unquote. you yeah. get Thrown into immigration detention. Immigration detention, um, and actually, immigration detention was it's worse than some prisons. Prisons, yeah. uh, especially the immigration detention that has a contract with county jails, yeah. where we're locked down for twenty three hours a day. Yeah. It's like almost being in solitary confinement. Right, and then the phone calls are like everything is super. It's way more expensive than regular county jails. Yeah. And so, like I, you know, I bought a fifty dollar uh, phone card. And I only got three cars out of fifty dollars. Oh, so like that was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and also commissary and then mail was another strenuous thing too. Yeah. Like some some immigration custody like you can't even have stamps, and you can't have labels. Yeah. And you're limited to how many photos you can have. So yeah. So it's even more demeaning. I mean, like, it is. Being locked up, being at San Quentin is one thing, and then being in this whole other kind of like complete. Limbo status, yeah. mm-hmm. even though you've paid your debts like what other folks would mm-hmm. do if they committed a crime, mm-hmm. you earned your way out of um, mm-hmm. whatever that sentence, sentence yeah. was. Uh, and luckily for you, you were able to come back. And um, I mean, you recently you got. Yeah, just recently I just got off parole. Yeah. <laughs> which is like historical in my county because, like, normally somebody with my, my type, my long sentence. Yeah has to do a minimum of seven years. And then I can apply for a, a discharge, yeah. not not knowing that I, I get it. Yeah. But, uh, because the work I've been doing with APSC and the community, yeah. and then also uh, also help my PO with his caseload, at the end, I feel like, you know, and that, you know, God's grace that yeah. I got blessed with the opportunity to get off early. Yeah. So not many other people get that same opportunity. Yeah. Like there's people I know that has been at home Five years already, yeah. and hasn't got that right. that ability. And so, I mean, they're in the kind of like double, um, not jeopardy, but they're in double kind of um, mm-hmm. risk, right? Yes, because it's not only just parole, mm-hmm. but also still immigration status yep. is still a big concern for them. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's there's people who came with refugee status, you lose that LPR, you mm-hmm. lose that, but then there's also other people who. Um, right now are getting deported because mm-hmm. um, the the governments of like Cambodia mm-hmm. and Vietnam are renegotiating mm-hmm. like terms yeah. around yeah but yeah. right now there's there's been over 30 cases in California that has uh, Cambodians that got picked up yeah that went in for the check in and there we went we actually accompanied a family of uh, four to San Francisco and all, and all four of them got detained. Mm. All right, and, and so one of the guys, his case is like twelve years old. Like he hasn't committed a crime since, he, and it, it wasn't a serious crime. Yeah. And so he and he got re-detained. Yeah. You know, because right now California, in the whole United States, like anybody that's 
from Cambodia or Cambodian native mm-hmm. are fa- are automatically detained. Yeah. Like I knew a Cambodian guy that was born in the Philippines, yeah. but they said, "Oh, you're Cambodian, so we're gonna deport you back to." Cam-. He's like, "I wasn't even born in Cambodia." Right. Right. Like there's people that's born in like Thailand refugee camp or Laos, and now facing deportation back to a country they've never been to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I also work with a guy that's been deported to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. As well as somebody that's been do- deported back to uh, South Korea and China. Yeah. So there, there are deporting people. Yeah. And so yeah, I see you. You put, you're at at the court a lot. Um, yeah. And the, the, the folks in, in so we're in the APSC office, mm-hmm. um, very close to my home, work <laughs> <laughs> home. Um, that are in here working, who are also just. Hoping that, mm-hmm. I mean, that the system don't catch up mm-hmm. to them. I mean, they're not doing it. They're doing not, not They're wonderful people mm-hmm. doing lots of great things for the community and for APSC and for other people. Yeah. But just because of their status, mm-hmm. they're in danger of getting deported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, is PJ still in that situation? PJ is definitely in that situation. And PJ is somebody that had that is. Uh, a community builder slash changer. Yeah. Like he's making a big difference. He made a big difference when he's inside, started yeah. programs. We we actually started multiple programs together. Yeah. Uh and now out here in the community he does a lot of work with like you know vic, you know victims rights. Yeah. Like somebody that com- that committed a crime now is working with victims rights folks. Right. right. And like bringing a lot of healing work into that. Yeah. Yet he you know they say he's a threat to public, you know, how's you know and it's funny for me to hear that because the governor said he's not a threat to public safety so yeah. that's why I let him out and so now but immigration said yeah you're a threat <laughs> so for me and he went in when he was like just turned 15 yeah. and he committed this crime when he was 14 yeah. Yeah. one of the youngest guys that I know right. and so and he's definitely not the same 14 year old kid right. right he's like in his 30s now uh, he's working multiple jobs actually he just got hired to work with APSC yeah. So that was a great um, bonus for APSC, and so now, and so he's just one of thousands yep. facing active deportation. Yeah. Um, with with them, um, with his case and other folks that you're y'all working with, is it still the the governor's pardon that would be the yes. best so defense for him? So protection. So most of us. Is getting a governor's pardon, but people don't understand. It's like we—it's not just getting a pardon. The pardon will actually erase, you know, our criminal history. Right. Uh, and then from there, we actually still have to f- apply to immigration, go back to court in immigration to get the custody off our back. And then have to approve it. All and you have stuff. to get approved. Like one guy that came yesterday—I mean, came to our monthly meeting on Monday—actually went to hearing on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Because he got a pardon, but now he had to go back to immigration court. Okay, yeah, that's getting harder right now. It is the super last hard. Three years, mm-hmm. two and a half years, um, mm-hmm. like green cards, um, all these different kind of uh, immigration statuses or um, things that you know people quote. Unquote, I'm doing my air quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talk about quote unquote good immigrants. Yeah, doing it the right way. Yeah, they're they're not getting. Mm-hmm. access to things that even if they're doing it quote unquote the right way mm-hmm. asylum seekers etc yeah because right now it's a target on anyone that's considered an immigrant or a refugee yeah. like there's they have 
you know, this new administration is really locking people out yeah. of that possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we want to segue a little into like some fatherhood stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talked about the freedom ride, um, and for folks who are in, incarcerated, it's not just the folks that are incarcerated, it's their families incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't get, uh, I mean, we're talking about a lot of heavy stuff here, and we could stay there. But um, for you, what is your, so what, I'm, is your, what is your fatherhood story? So my fatherhood story is, well, we could, I could start with my actual father. Yeah. Uh, so one is that my father, it took me many years. I remember when I tried to hug my dad in prison. Mm. And he like pushed me on. He like stuck his. He literally pushed me on my chest. Like yeah. we don't do that. I'm like what that. And then because I realized that's a cultural thing that he grew up with. Yeah. You know, a lot of um, hyper masculinity, mm-hmm. a lot of gender norms, yeah. patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then I realized like I don't want to be that. I don't want right. to be like that. I don't right. want to have that same thing. Uh, that same harm continue. So I was trying to break that cycle yeah. uh, of historical trauma. And so what I did through the years, try to hug my dad. <laughs> and it took many years, like almost 20 years. Yeah. Why? Well, about 15 years while incarcerated, not including all the other times when I was young, yeah. where my dad finally you know, gave me like the homeboy hug <laughs> with the arm between our chest. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, uh, I think within the next last six years of before I was handed over to immigration, my dad actually like put his arm down and let me hug him. <laughs> so for me that, and I realized that was transformative for him and for myself because we broke a lot of that trauma. And after his, even when his grandpa was on his deathbed, his grand, his dad, I mean, still never gave him a hug mm-hmm. or allowed him to hug him. Yeah. So that patriarchy went with my grandfather. Right. And so I like, I don't want that to happen. And now I'm in a relationship where I have a 12-year-old going on a 13-year-old daughter. That's been a struggle because now she's in a teenage year where she just want to, you know, hang out with her friends. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of rebellious, like, you know, things that we used to do when she was younger. Yeah. Especially I remember when she was 10 yeah. where she, you know, we used to, she would want to go out to, we would go out to the movies together. We'd go out to different events together, yeah. even APSC events. Yeah. Now she's like, I'm too grown for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but last night it was actually really wonderful. We we actually sat down and watched a movie together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched all, like kind of like a horror movie, but it was cool because we, you know, we, <laughs> and she just talk and talk and talk. So it was she was really chatty yesterday. So I felt really connected to her yesterday. Yeah. Um, and so that was for me. That was those little moments are my like highlights yeah. of my day. Like even when I have a bad day or when, when I'm stressed out about work, think about different things I got to do. Yeah. Like, yesterday was, a, it was really, like, refreshing yeah. to actually have that moment. That's awesome. Yeah. What was the movie you watched? We watched Escape Room. <laughs> okay. Was, and then we also watched uh, A Dog's Way Home. <laughs> <laughs> to, After, to, to, to balance to, out. To balance it all so out. Either uh, she or you can go to sleep without them. Um... Yeah, and plus, <laughs> like, we have, you know, that dog movie, it, it reminded us of our dog. We had three dogs. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, <laughs> and so our dog was actually laying on a blanket in front of us while we was playing that movie. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, you have three other kids other than her. 
Yeah. And they're all huge. And they're all girls. So the whole <laughs> out, the whole house is full of estrogens and hormones. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Nice. I'm the, like the only guy. And I don't, it's okay because one thing that I learned from my work with APSC is like, how do I wake up every morning fighting patriarchy and yeah. hyper-masculinity? Yeah. And so like being in a house full, household full of girls actually helped me cha- uh, challenge that. Yeah. And it's really uh, something that I really embrace you know yeah. not a lot of especially a lot, a lot of men that have been incarcerated since for 23 years actually embrace that kind of stuff yeah, right? yeah. so uh that's one thing i appreciate about apsc it, it'll open that door for me to do that work yeah. Yeah. on myself yeah i don't i don't consider myself too deep in the trenches of like hyper masculinity but mm-hmm. we're the thing is the thing with systems is mm-hmm. that you're we all are yeah right? as as men growing up we we see see these things and so, like, with Malcolm, we're, like, we repeat a lot of times, like, hey, you know, we talk about princesses and whatever, and you're like, hey, if you want to, you know, kind of try to mm-hmm. break, break, um, break stigmas or, like, whatever yeah. service that's around, like, um, idealized mm-hmm. roles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know, if you want to wear a dress, go ahead, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a book about, like, yeah. there's a, it was, it's about poop. But yeah. <laughs> there's a princess who's pooping, and then there's a soccer player pooping. He's like, why is she poop- like? Why is she wearing a dress? I'm like, well, that's what she wanted to wear today. And then why is he not wearing a dress? Well, he didn't want to wear it today. But maybe tomorrow he wants to wear a dress. You know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But even with that, um, he has this, there's this pink hat that he really loves at daycare that mm-hmm. we were allowed to borrow when we went to the A's game last week. Mm-hmm. And I was carrying him, and he was wearing this um, really pink hat. Um, which I, I don't really like pink anyway in terms of a color yeah. it has nothing to do with yeah, girl yeah. color or whatever I just don't like pink mm-hmm. but um, I was carrying him and we were walking up this, um, to the stadium and um, I kind of was like do you want to wear your A's hat um, and then kind of like going through that process of like oh I'm I'm, I'm asking if he wants to wear an A's hat because I, I deep inside I don't want him to wear the pink hat mm-hmm. and not only because it's like pink but the other things, the other yeah. questions that might come in terms of like, whatever. And I was just like, okay, good check, good check with myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like we have to we have to admit to ourselves that it's a reality. Mm-hmm. We're 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 victims of like this kind mm-hmm. of hyper masculinity yeah. that we have to address. And also like male privilege, like you yeah. know, being a being a guy, no matter what culture or or society are like, males has more privilege than women. Yeah. And so, like, checking that every day, like, realize that, oh, like, you know, how do I talk to people yeah. and understand and try and be on the level and not be like, oh, yeah, I like, I have this privilege. Right? Um, yeah. I think one of, for me, is like when I talk to my, you know, my daughter, is understanding, being able to talk to her in a way where it's not very masculine, mm-hmm. but it comes from a place of like love and compassion mm-hmm. and trying to teach her, like, not just because I have I'm born as a male, I don't have to act or perform a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And that, and then also changing different viewpoints and labels yeah. of what you know of a male person. Yeah. So, things that we're into. So, yeah. what have you been into? I've been into game mobile mobile gaming. With hope and actually, you know, mobile gaming, I actually was able to do some. My, I was able to build a, a network of people Ooh. that, you know, that around the world. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I met one guy from Oakland, mm-hmm. 
that I'm going to do a care management piece with. Oh, nice. So he's forming, and I, he's formerly incarcerated, and he's Cambodian. Oh, dope. Yeah, <laughs> popular. And then we, and then uh, kind of find out we have mutual friends. That's kind of crazy, <laughs> it's right? Crazy on a, a mobile game. Mobile game. Uh, PUBG. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was yeah. working here. Uh, so right now, uh, Dad Moments is actually fixing a lot of bikes for community folks, mm-hmm. uh, and also trying to get her <laughs> to ride with me more often. Yeah, that's been challenging. And so, uh, besides you know that, those per- that's been one of my struggles actually getting her to do stuff with me. Yeah, because she's at the age where she just want you know do what she want to do. Yeah, yeah, explore different things yeah. with her friends. Yeah. And so, and one of my dad moments actually learning patience, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then jumping in those moments whenever I can. Yeah, for me. Is she gonna bike with you on Saturday? I'm trying to get her to come. <laughs> my 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 hook is bring your friend. <laughs> right? Yeah. So like yeah. your friend can spend the night and we can all roll together. Cool. So like she, I know she she's like oh do I have to that stuff. First question y'all was yeah. like, do I have to? I said, can your friend come? She said, okay. Yeah. yeah, so. Well, hopefully she goes. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping she, because she is on a picture. <laughs> she won- Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to activate folks that, like, if they wanted to participate in the ride this coming Saturday, mm-hmm. like, there is a sign-up sheet, a uh, sign-up link that, you know, that you can actually hit on. Okay. Uh, it's called, uh, the, the link is, HTTP uh, Okay, it's um, it's a bit.ly so bit.ly uh, slash APSC Ride 19 Is this on your Facebook? Uh, no, but I can actually share it on our Facebook Okay So that's something that we were actually working on So th- that's the link You know what I'll do is um, you could visit APSC or learn more about APSC um, a lot, They do a lot of posting through Facebook So Facebook, mm-hmm. look for Asian Prisoner Support Committee. Mm-hmm. What I'll do is I'll get this link from Key, and I'll also post it on our um, on our podcast uh, yep. links. And then if they can't ride with you, they could fundraise. They, they, could, they could fundraise and donate, and I and I will also send John the link to that too. Cool. All right, and if they if you want to get involved beyond donating or doing the ride, um, there's lots of things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the court dates, the events, um, yeah. fun things in terms of um, playing basketball and oh, yeah. um, barbecues and Barbecue. uh, community dinners and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Go to their Facebook and get linked up that way and then you can find Key and other folks that are there. Yeah, and so one last thing at our at our uh, fun. APSE Freedom Ride 2019 fundraiser that there's going to be barbecue there's going to mm-hmm. be a jumper for the kids they, they can ride there's going to be face face painting yeah. and other activity kids are, are could come so it's really a family atmosphere okay so sign up on the link uh, you'll, you're, they're starting in West Oakland uh, you'll get more information that way yep cool well, awesome thank you Key appreciate you yeah. Spending some of your really busy time. Yeah, no problem. Chatting with me. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, John. All right. Thank you.